Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Yeah. This is Pet Sunday School and to our listening ears, We go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Ludo. Penn, Ready, Rich, and I are broadcasting from our homes here in Las Vegas. Matt is in an airport somewhere. On this week's show, Ready is sleeping 15 hours a day and working through COVID. And we're going to talk about Joe, Neil, and Joni. And maybe we'll hit some viewer mail. Here he is preaching love. Mr. Penn Gillette. Yeah. Preach in love. We were just in, um, Friday night, we're in Cerritos. You went out and did a show. Road road show. Road show. At, and Cerritos. Um, Cerritos is great. You know that theater? Oh, I love that theater. Yeah, the yeah it, nice? it does all sorts of stuff, right? It, it'll do any configuration. Yeah, yeah. The, I don't know how it works. You know, with the, like the whole <laughs> hydraulics. Is it like a, it's a, like um, the Carousel of Progress? At Disney World. <laughs> yeah, it just rotates to another theater. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went to, um, I was talking about uh, one of the residents, you mm-hmm. know, the avant-garde musical group out of San Francisco. We were talking about going to Disney, Disneyland. Mm-hmm. He was talking about the Carousel of Progress. And he said, I didn't see no progress. <laughs> Things just kept getting weirder. I think that kind of uh, sums up the carousel of progress at Disney. But um, there was a uh, magic show in uh, in China that had a setup like that, where there were like five or six shows, and in an evening the audience would rotate around, and you'd see a different show every you know twenty or thirty minutes, rather than a variety show setup where we would have to set up and redo it. We just I mean you actually keep performed running. in that. I didn't, uh, but I, I, other people did. Yeah. And the audience would kind of come in, you do your show, and you do your show, and then they they'd rotate out. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that's the more expensive way to do it, doesn't it? <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems like. Well, it's I, although, if you needed, uh, you know, some of those magic sort of things in your theater, you could. Uh, it might be better, you know, if you want to trap. I suppose. And, I mean, it's pretty amazing to say now I'll make the whole audience rotate. 45 <laughs> degrees, right? That's a good trick. Yeah. It's been done before by Copperfield, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't elaborate on that. Anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird uh, setup because because of a lot of things. Cerritos, yeah. You cannot tell what the effects down the line of anything are going to be. One of the effects of COVID is Teller can't do his miser's dream in the show on the road. Yeah, like a puppy watching television. <laughs> Joe Cox's <laughs> head. A lot of pet stores oh. that have goldfish have just gone out of business. <laughs> so we can't get goldfish on the road. <laughs> goldfish were so upset by COVID, they quit having sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, uh, the show on the road, uh, to give you an idea... For those of you who know the Penn and Teller material, I come out at the beginning of the show and don't have a break in talking until Shadows, the antepenultimate bit in the show. 
So, um, <laughs> so I do a 90-minute monologue. You're, you know, in, you in the couldn't be show. happier is what you're saying to me. I don't know that you like breaks. I don't like breaks, except I usually like a little bit of time during the COVID thing to cough my lungs out. Mm-hmm. No, Go backstage and cough my lungs out. And now I have to do some of the coughing of my lungs out on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on all these powerful drugs. You know, the painkiller, uh, gabapentin. Right. <laughs> uh, which also uh, suppresses uh, some, some uh, neurological yeah. coughing. Yeah. I'm on, uh, I'm on that. And uh, I never heard uh, of it used for coughing. That's a nice, that's a good use, I think. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, it uh, takes it down a little bit. I took my dose down and my coughing went up. So I guess I have to bring the coughing up, the dose up a little more and make the coughing go down. But what he, uh, my doctor seems to think now is that uh, it is a kind of a long COVID sim- symptom because I have a very delicate larynx. You wouldn't think that this voice <laughs> comes from a delicate larynx, but apparently this voice does. Well, we've been calling you that behind your back for years. <laughs> have you really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah Mr. So. Delicate Larynx. <laughs> yeah. Cerritos was nice, though. It was, it was, it was sold out. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, very full house, very, very receptive. And uh, we've played there. I mean, we've been playing there since the 90s. You know, we've been playing there like 30 years. Uh, I don't know, I guess like a dozen times we've done shows there. It's a really beautiful theater. It's a wonderful uh, staff and crew, and we get great audiences there in Cerritos. Nice backstage snacks, if I recall correctly. (laughs) Yeah. What show did you do there? Um, I've done uh, Lance Burton there twice, and uh, It's Mm -hmm. Magic there twice. Do the backstage snacks include Haritos, Mexican soda? Yeah. (laughs) No. So you could get Haritos and Doritos and Cerritos? <laughs> My backstage snack was they had this peanut butter biscuit, which looked to me like a peanut butter cookie. Uh, it was a peanut butter cookie. Uh, it was a cookie with peanut butter in between it. Mm-hmm. That was a good snack and some oranges and some grapes. And then for my supper, of course, they had um, uh, black beans, brown rice, and sweet potatoes. But that's in my rider. That's not something right. that you would get. They My rider says, you know, new bottle of Tabasco, new bottle of vinegar, steamed broccoli, sweet potato, regular potato, black beans, and brown rice. So. Do you bring any of those bottles home with you after a gig? I don't. So you can Just- buy on eBay Pendulette's leftover Tabasco <laughs> uh, very, very easily. That's Because I, in 35 years, have never bought soap or shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're like you're like uh, Gilbert. Yeah, I'll bring home the little soaps and the little shampoos. Yeah, yeah, I'd see. Yeah, so I, my stupid. fridge would be full of tiny bottles of Tabasco. <laughs> well, that's just stupid. I, I, did I deny that? <laughs> One drop? Well, how much? Do you have you any idea how much Tabasco I used? You know? Now, someone, some voice pathologist is sitting listening, going, "It's the Tabasco that's causing the cough, you idiot." But. Um, <laughs> If it is, that's why your larynx is so delicate. If it is, then I shall die of coughing because I'm not giving up the Basco. I dig the Basco. You know, you know that. I do know that. And there really isn't another kind of hot sauce I really go for. Have you tried just the plain Louisiana hot sauce? Ah, uh, it's very salty. Okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just like the Basco. I've got to tell you, just it's very vinegary, and that's what I like. 
put a little vinegar on my uh, my food with some uh, some heat. I think this should be like uh, your version of Lionel Trains. You should purchase the Tabasco Company and go into it for Speaking, your- wow, what a good segue. Thank you. Lionel I Trains. <laughs> I know you were looking. Good segue on uh, Neil Young. This is going to be a good podcast. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> with that, we have never done anything that professional before. <laughs> nice, huh? Because who owns Lionel Trains, Ready Rich? No idea. <laughs> Neil, Neil Young. <laughs> I think it's still I- Neil Young. I think yeah. it's still Neil Young. There was some talk of him selling it, but I believe it's still Neil Young. And Neil Young has two barns on his property, and uh, one barn is his recording studio, as his new album is called, I believe, Barn. <laughs> the other barn is his trains. Yeah, for his kids, yeah. Neil Young, well, yeah, for his kids. Yeah, don't you just <laughs> said? Like me, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Neil Young has also done a lot of... Um, a lot of innovations in model trains, you know. Mm-hmm. He added some sounds and also did some um, some control issues, controller issues, so that his uh, children would be able to run the trains easier. Mm-hmm. I know that you can now control them uh, on uh, through Bluetooth on your iPhone. Through mm. there's an app for controlling your train and your train sounds and for controlling the volume. Yeah, well, uh, uh, I know that Ready Rich is uh, under the weather. And has the COVID and is feeling terrible. So I thought we would make him happy. His little gift. <laughs> little gift. Talk about trains. Thank you. I sent a letter to them this week. My uh, my son's Polar Express is not working properly. His Polar Express what? So, yes, yeah, so I sent his Polar Express uh, O-gauge engine. Mm-hmm. Train engine from the Polar Express. That- it's Lionel? It's a Lionel. Lionel. I sent Lionel. So you sent it directly to Neil? I, yes, yeah. I put Neil at LionelTrains.com. Yeah, <laughs> haven't heard back yet. <laughs> so Neil has uh, pulled all his music from Spotify, right? And then Joni went along with it. She's pulled her music, okay. and it is all because of the Joe Rogan experience, mm-hmm. and um, which we've had a is, fair amount of. <laughs> yeah, he has given you know, as you know, I believe he is. Is he now the most? Successful podcast. He's the most successful yes. podcast on Spotify. Is he the most successful podcast with no qualifiers? Yes. More successful than like Morning Edition and NPR and all that stuff? Yes. They always win. But he's, he's ahead of them? Yep. Yep. And he's given uh, patently false information on COVID. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, Joe Rogan is a, uh, I, I very careful about using the word friend. You know, I know Joe Rogan for 30 years. Yeah. We've worked together a lot. We have hung out socially. And I did his podcast fairly recently. It was before COVID. And our radio show. We had a radio show. Yep. So uh, I don't want to say he's a friend like you two. Not that I know Bono. But um, <laughs> he is a um, he is certainly a, a friendly acquaintance who I have always argued with about science. Always. Always. And I remember one moment that I really loved. We were at the comedy store. Is that the one on Sunset in yeah. uh, in LA? We were at the comedy store. I'd seen him do like a tremendous set, you know. We were afterwards arguing uh, science and politics. And I believe it was mostly Kennedy assassination and moon launch, right? Right. He's a big moon landing denier. Well, not anymore. Was. Was. Was, yeah. Better part of a decade. And he was uh, in his car, which was a 
fancy ass convertible, right? Because he had a lot of money (laughs) even then, right? So he had the convertible top down and we were standing in the parking. I was standing in the parking lot. He was in his car and there were probably 20 people around. As he pulled his car out, he said, the reason you don't understand my view on this stuff is that you've never smoked dope. <laughs> and as he pulled out, I said, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and he pulled into the night. And to give you an idea of, uh, of uh, where Joe Rogan is, I... Um, I wrote him an email recently because he had Carrot Top on his uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Joe Rogan and Carrot Top spoke very kindly about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, very kindly about me. And uh, so I wrote, I didn't hear it, but several people told me because it's the most listened to podcast in the world. Several people told me. So I wrote him a little note. I don't write him emails often, maybe once a year. I wrote him a little note that said, hey, Joe. Uh, where are you going with that gun in your hand? No. I said, hey, Joe, thanks a lot for saying kind words about me. And I mentioned to him, which I guess is really opening a can of bees. I mentioned to him, you know, I just got over the, the vid. You know, I just got over the vid. Yeah. He wrote back, no problem. I was just saying what I believe. I have a high opinion, nice stuff. And then he said, oh, by the way, get yourself some IV vitamins. They'll pull you right out of the COVID thing. <laughs> And so, so you right, jumped in a car, raced to the doctor. <laughs> so right in the one email a year from Joe Rogan, <laughs> there was uh, questionable information about COVID. One little poke in the face. <laughs> Donk. So um, Donk. can we just explain right at the top before someone writes in that I do not believe that this is a free speech issue at all. Spotify is a private company, and Neil Young is a private, uh, you know, he's in a business relationship with Spotify. And if he chooses to not have Spotify play his music because he doesn't want to be on the same platform as Joe Rogan, that is absolutely within his rights. Yep. Uh, Morally, logically, politically. Now, I am very confused by what the deal is. Uh, I read a couple articles on this, and I can't find anybody who says what the deal is. Is Neil's deal with Spotify such that he can just terminate it instantly and unilaterally? Pull all my music and just don't pay me? Is that what he just does? I am pretty sure none of us have any idea what that uh, deal says. Well, Ready Rich is sometimes willing to make up something on this. Would you like that? (laughs) Um, I'd always thought that these deals would have been for a year or two or three or four or five at a time and not minute by minute, which is what this kind of postulates. I suspect that Spotify's deal with most musicians is the same as Apple's deal with most musicians. We're just going to sell your shit and give you money unless you say otherwise. Okay. So it uh, makes it very easy for Neil. And then Joni Mitchell uh, came along. She's going along with Neil, I guess, because they're both Canadians. No, I think because they, uh, they both have the same uh, moral position, which is very funny that um, those would be the two. Because I don't see 
uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell as uh, pro-science crusaders. <laughs> but they now are. They're at the forefront of that, right? They are today. Yeah, they are today. I also like that Neil Young threw in a dig, which I love because this actually dilutes his position politically, <laughs> but he just couldn't help himself to throw in a dig about the quality of Spotify's uh, fidelity. <laughs> so you got to throw in his, because you know, he's been nuts about MP3s as not giving you a good representation of the music. And I believe he has his own encoding system. Is that right, Red Hitch? Yes. What's it called? Do you know? Pono. Pono. Yeah, and it's now defunct. Huh. And but you know, a, um, I think it's a form of flack, but I'm not sure. And Joni Mitchell's even weirder because Joni Mitchell has um, Morgellons. She says she has Morgellons disease. Did you see Penny Lane's uh, documentary, The Pain of Others? Yes. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. If you saw her documentary, The Pain of Others, it's a, as you would expect from Penny Lane, a uh, beautiful but heart-wrenching, torturous documentary about, uh, I believe it's all women. I mean, I may, I may be wrong, but it's mostly women. It's all taken from YouTube, and it's all about them fighting this Morgellons disease, which uh, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever like to sum up Penny Lane's points in her documentary because her documentaries are so complex. But one point of the documentary that I got out of it, let me just put all, let me couch this in everything, because when Penny Lane does a documentary, it is so complex and multi-layered that I would never be able to say all of it. And also, if you could say all of it in a prosaic way, you wouldn't need to make the movie, right? But she edits together the YouTube videos of women who have Morgellons disease and also has some science stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And the scientists um, seem to make very clear that Morgellons disease doesn't exist. Fewer than 20,000 U.S. cases per year is the claim. Uh, relatively what? uncommon cause isn't fully understand, understood. And probably not really a disease. But uh, skin lesions and the belief that the skin is infected by bugs or other objects like string. So, right. Uh, skin lesions is pretty serious. Uh, right. No, 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 but and not knowing what causes it is pretty serious and i you can see that it's um yeah to my mind it's probably <laughs> jive ass right right but uh, i'm trying to say this the point of view of the documentary one of the points of view is that the pain is absolutely real and that's what's so profound about the documentary you know when people are skeptics they tend to go pro-science and dismiss all these claims mm -hmm. and forget the underlying thing that the pain and the suffering is 100% right. real. Something is going on and these, yeah, there's no way to control it yet. You can yeah. figure out. But when you say, this is this horrible thing, when you say that a certain pain is psychosomatic, that is dismissed as, oh, it's a nutcase, right? Oh, it's all in your head. That doesn't matter. The pain is absolutely, completely as real yeah. as if it weren't psychosomatic. And that's what is so heart-wrenching and, and 
terrible about this. It ties in with that thing that drives me crazy, the robot killer for me, which is that placebos work even if you know they're placebos. Yeah. Which, how do you even <laughs> test that? Anyway, so um, <laughs> Joni Mitchell has, says she has, has Morgellons disease. So Morgellons disease seems like something that Joe Rogan would cover in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing interesting about Joe Rogan, uh, I mean, there's a lot interesting about Joe Rogan. First of all, we know wicked, crazy smart, right? Incredibly skilled speaker, incredibly funny. He has all that going for him. But he has this quality where he gets sucked into fringe stuff. And uh, once again, I get asked by people, because I know Joe Rogan, does he believe this shit or is he just making money? And I can't look into anyone's heart. I can't look into their mind. But um, I think that uh, I think that he believes it. But then again, I think everybody believes it. I'm mm. I'm so far from being a cynic. Uh, I don't believe. I mean, um, uh, Glenn Beck, who I know disliked Trump intensely, all of a sudden changed to pro Trump. Coincidentally, with his career going away when he didn't support Trump, I don't know. I don't like to think of Glenn Beck as being that kind of cynic, but the timing is awfully frightening. Yeah. You know, and now, you know, he's a COVID denier and anti-vaxxer right. and anti-masker and all of right, those things. Right, right. And, and uh, speaking of Joe Rogan, part of the danger of Joe Rogan is that he is smart and he is funny and he's well-spoken. We had him on to talk about the moon landing and he was better at it than the scientists that we brought on. Yeah, that was Phil Plate. Yeah, and made it seem that Phil didn't know what he was talking about. And and we know that Phil is correct. Well, yeah, but, we know Phil's correct. And so does Joe Rogan now. Now. But um But at the time you know, Joe was adamant and funny. But quick. not even adamant. He was humble. And that was <laughs> the thing that killed me. That was the thing that killed Phil Plate. Phil Plate was ready to come in and do this kind of right. headbanging. And Joe Rogan came in and went, well, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Yeah. Here's the stuff that's bothering me. And he had, in that humility, a huge amount of research. All of it bullshit, but research. And one of the things that bothered me so much about Phil Plate man, this is bothersome, is um, I got in touch with Phil Plate, and I said, I want you to come on and talk to Joe Rogan about the moon landing. Mm -hmm. And Phil Plate said, no problem. And I said, I want you to know that Joe Rogan is fast and funny and experienced and smart. And Phil Plate's attitude was, I don't think he ever said this sentence, but his attitude was, I'm, I'm not going to have any trouble arguing with a comedian. <laughs> you know, and I don't think Phil prepared for it at all. Right. Phil thought I can take out a comedian on the top of my head. And we watched as Joe Rogan knew the form better than we did. Right. Better than Phil did. So when we had to go to commercial, you know, Joe Rogan, this is the radio show, Joe Rogan was watching the clock and Joe Rogan would go, 
right as we were going to commercial, oh, by the way, what about the Van Allen belt? Right. Then we had a break for commercial. Also, Joe Rogan is um, lovable, sexy, funny, strong, and humble. And Phil Plate (laughs) was none of those things. None of those things. He was pedantic, uncomfortable, arrogant, fumbling, and as far from funny (laughs) and as far from sexy as you could get. And completely right. (laughs) 100%. As I remember that show, we, you and I watched as Joe Rogan destroyed Phil Plate and then said at the end of the show, oh, by the way, we did land on the moon so long. Yeah. (laughs) We knew when the commercial was coming. (laughs) Yeah. But there's the interesting thing. One of the many interesting things about Joe Rogan is that he will change his mind. Let's hope he does so soon. <laughs> you better get on it. <laughs> yeah, or a lot of people are going to die. But when people are dying, how much responsibility is there? I also will tell you, I don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm the only one. Yeah. But I bet very likely Joe Rogan has also had the correct information on there because he has different people on. So he had, that, he had that scientist on who ripped him apart saying, here's where you're wrong about stuff, which started the whole petition. People agreeing with that scientist. But people are dying. So uh, I think I've met Neil Young. Uh, We got along very, very well. I thought he was wonderful. I love Neil Young. I love everything about Neil Young. And I got to tell you, I love the side he's on, the pro-science side here. I also feel a great deal of affection for Joe Rogan. I really do. And of course, if, uh, if Joe Rogan asks me to be on his podcast again, then I have the Tommy Smothers issue yeah. that I had with, um, <laughs> with Glenn Beck. But he's not asking me now, so perhaps I'll be, uh, I'll be able to dodge that, uh, that moral uh, quandary bullet uh, a little bit. I want to tell you, talking about how long ago we had the... Um, radio show how long ago was we did the radio show which is where joe rogan was on these guys stamps.com have been uh have been promoting us and staying with us and keeping this going since the radio show i mean they go back forever it's such a good good business stamps.com is uh been with us since 2012 i mean so so wonderful i mean uh i just love stamps.com It's a really, really good business, and uh, they've been very supportive of us. But I should actually talk about what they do more than that. (laughs) Do you sell stuff online? Then you know shipping can be a real pain. Which carrier should I use? Am I getting the best rate? Will it get there on time? Stamps.com takes all the hassle and guesswork out of shipping out your orders. Easily compare shipping rates and delivery dates. You get all the best carriers, all the best rates, all in one convenient place. No more hunting for rates on multiple carrier websites. No more paying retail prices for shipping. Stamps.com gives you access to a wide range of deeply discounted shipping options, up to 40% off U.S. Postal Service rates and up to 66% off UPS rates. Unbelievable. For over 20 years, Stamps.com has helped over a million businesses save time and money on shipping. Stamps.com has negotiated deeply discounted rates for you from the U.S. Postal Service 
UPS, DHL, and more, more, more. They automatically connects you with online stores, brings in the shipping for all your orders. They are just fabulous. I don't know if there's anybody that listens to us that doesn't have stamps.com, but I hope there are, so they'll keep supporting us. Uh, you don't have to go to the post office. Mail people pick it up for you. Needless, not needless to say, important to say, uh, we use them for everything. Laura at the office, long-suffering Laura uses it. My wife used it for all the um, all the uh, 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 crowdfunding stuff we've done. You use it for everything, right, Kudo? Barbecue Zoo. Barbecue Zoo. And you know that uh, Matt Donnelly uses it. Just fabulous. So start shipping and saving with Stamps.com today. There's no risk. With my promo code, Pen. you get a special office that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital shipping scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. You'll be up and running in minutes. It's true. It's easy stuff to use. Just go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in pen. That's stamps.com promo code pen. Stamps.com. Easy e-commerce shipping for less. A lot less. Stamps.com. Yeah, there they are. There they are. So, yeah. Uh, I think it's probably wise, although I don't know what what it accomplishes, because Joe Rogan has already cashed the checks and he's um, he's got more listeners than anybody else in the world. Certainly, I don't know certainly, but likely, many more people are listening to Neil uh, listening to Joe Rogan than to Neil Young and Joni Mitchell put together. But as you can see, Apple Music is jumping on it saying we're the home of Neil Young. So Joe Rogan, his big yellow taxi, may just uh, drive away. I don't know. I don't know how Joe Rogan, I mean, in an ideal world, Joe Rogan would say, you know, I'm going to really look at the science, right? see what's happening. And he would say, yeah, wear a mask, get the vaccine, uh, don't right. do these crazy you think, things do you think you know we talked about this a little bit last week uh, of, of how to talk to someone who's a uh, a flat earther what do you say to joe rogan that turns him around I, I i don't understand how he can't see that he's that wrong how i you know i'm wrong on stuff all the damn time and when it's pointed out to me i try to solve it mm -hmm. i do some research uh i think the problem is that what research is now is is too broad i think if uh if you are a smart guy and don't limit what you research if your idea of research is i'm going to uh go on the web and type stuff in mm. you can get a huge amount of false information it's one of the reasons that i try so hard to um get all my news and information from carefully curated sources. Right. Because if I um I get stuff in my head and I don't know where it came from. So I read the New York Times, although I disagree with them, I do trust their reporting very much. And you know, I wrote the Bob Saget thing, and if they are really half as careful with their news right. as they were with what I wrote, they're doing a really good job. It's a kind of carefulness like, you know, the Allen Ginsberg quotation, which is quoted on the web by a guy who tells the story of Allen Ginsberg, they only would put in as hearsay. You know, when I told them that I heard a story about Jack Benny and um, 
George Burns from uh, Gary Owens, and Gary Owens is dead, and that's hearsay. They've got my word that Gary Owens heard it. They wouldn't let me print it. And that's a great and important stance. It really is. And if they're doing it with a bullshit guy like me. At least, yeah, on a comedy story about someone. Mm-hmm. So I read them, and I know that when I disagree, that um, I don't think I'm disagreeing with the facts. You know, I believe that when I'm talking about stuff I read in the New York Times, I am not having an alternate set of facts. And the problem, one of the problems is, uh, it used to be long ago when I thought it was much less good that you had, you know, Walter Cronkite and a few news sources. And if you were arguing politics with somebody, you went back to the same facts. Right. That has gone away. If you do research on what happened on January 6th, you can find news sources that will tell you that that was the FBI and that was uh, Antifa right. that, uh, that did that as a false flag movement. And you can uh, find out that the media completely distorted it. Right. And if and that's where you are and that's your facts, you're done. Do we believe that there is just a whole faction of people who decided morality didn't matter, winning mattered? And is that what's driving this? Well, you know, our good friend Robbie Libin blames everything on Hillary Clinton. It was when she was running for senator and people essentially said, well, you know, she's, she's not that good, but she's our side, you know, that kind of thing. I have real trouble with that. I got to tell you, I have real trouble because I'm afraid, and I don't even mean publicly, because, you know, I say on this show pretty much what pops into my head. Right. <laughs> so I'm talking about privately. I'm afraid to uh, disagree with Joe Biden and the Democrats, even when I disagree with them, because it seems like an existential threat right. if the Republicans who've gone mad... Uh, get into office stronger. And the second I do that, and once again, we need a Bob Dylan quote here, fearing not, I become my enemy in the instant that I preached. As soon as I feel this is too important to separate off from there, as soon as I feel that, I am doing exactly what they're doing, which they are saying there's right. an existential threat to our way of life. So even though Trump is wrong about a lot of shit, we have to get behind right. him because he's the only one that's doing that. Yeah. That is precisely what I'm feeling. Precisely yeah. right. what I'm feeling. Not even similar. It is precisely what I'm feeling. <laughs> this is I, uh, Yes. You can sum it up completely in this sentence that I don't want to say. You can say to yourself, this is too important to worry about the truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'm saying that as brutally as I can. Yeah. As unpleasantly as I can, but I'm afraid <laughs> that's sometimes what I feel in my heart. Yeah, it is. Definitely is. I mean, I look at some of the stuff and go, you know, wait, wait we're, we're doing what Putin wa wants to do, and the Republicans are acting like that's right? That's the good thing? There are so many sides to it that I just don't. What happened is the only thing that, that comes into my head. What happened that we quit telling the truth on anything that really mattered? 
Why is it okay to make those lies to win? I think it's the it's hard to be the good guys. It's hard to be the good guys. Yeah, uh, you know we can't. We're not supposed to torture anybody. That's the way that works. You know what I mean? Is it is it Jack Bauer's fault? <laughs> you know what I mean? Do we go? Well, he had to torture that guy, or they were going to blow up New York City. Yeah, and uh, and you know uh, with this whole, uh, I mean, I think we can be fairly sure that Biden is not going to uh, start World War Three with uh, with with Russia. Right. Or China. Right. I, I think, you know, we cannot go to war with Russia or China, no matter what. We can go to war with anybody else and we will lose. I mean, that's what, that's what we've learned over the past 50 years, right? Because if we go to war with anybody else, we can't do the one thing that would make us win, which is drop a nuclear bomb on them. We can't do that. We can't do that morally. Or pragmatically. Or pragmatically, that's correct. So that option is not open to us. So we go to other countries, and all they have to do to win is a couple of them have to stay alive. Yeah. And kill our guys every once in a while. And then eventually, it's, it's all, it's all going to be Vietnam from now on. Right. Right? And we're not going to go to war with Russia. But, you know, when Biden talks about the, the Putin stuff, I... I don't want to go against him because, geez, you know, and every time you find yourself agreeing with Trump, it's this incredibly <laughs> creepy feeling. <laughs> yeah, and the Republicans' denial of fact makes it impossible for them, for us to allow them to be right. It's so awful. Yeah, I don't have any... Um, used to be, used to agree with people. Now you, now you have to look at the party. You know what I mean? Now you're in a situation... Or we feel like we have to look at party rather than the party. I know. And we have to also think strategically. You know, when I used to identify as a libertarian, I didn't think strategically at all because I was just going to lose. That was all that was to it. <laughs> and I was fine with that. I didn't mind losing. But ever since Trump came in, I think that me losing might be a bad thing. When I lost the libertarian, who cares? Who cares if the libertarians lose? Nobody. We're the nut party, right? And I was happy being the nut party. I'm not happy being the nut party now. Right. I have to be, I feel like when, I guess I'm not even going to say if, <laughs> when in the midterm elections, the Republicans sweep everything, the Supreme Court is already lost. Uh, I think we've already lost Freedom of choice, right. women's right to choose. Yeah, I think we've we lost thought they that. were really smart. <laughs> mm. You know, we used to hold up the Supremes as the Supremes. <laughs> yeah, there was a time when we cared what they thought. But maybe it just breaks down that the United States just keeps getting weaker and weaker, and states get stronger and stronger. If you see California as a country, it's really not bad. Yeah. You know, if you don't count Mississippi and Texas and Florida as part of your country, we're not doing that badly, you know? Yeah. And, you know, abortion will not, I don't think, be made illegal uh, nationally. I don't think that's that likely. But it does mean that poor people in a state that doesn't allow abortion will have a hell of a time getting to a state that does allow it. I guess there'll be border abortion clinics like. You have liquor stores. Like casinos, yeah. But a lot of people aren't going to be able to get to those. 
you know, there'll be black market mail order plan B pill stuff. Like the hiding it rather than it being the real. And, you know, we got the Supreme Court nomination where they're going to do everything they can to block it. Yeah. And here's where it comes up. I think that Joe Biden saying, I am going to nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court and making that promise. By the way, when Ronald Reagan made the promise, I'm going to uh, put a woman on the Supreme Court, and he fulfilled that promise. I also felt it was wrong. I just think that is an incredible insult to black women. Right. It just feels that way. And here's the awful thing about me. This is a terrible thing about me. I would rather Joe Biden nominate a black woman for the Supreme Court for all the reasons he's going to and just not say it. (laughs) The black women he's considering are as qualified as any people have ever been for the Supreme Court. And when he actually nominates them and they actually get on, I will love them. Whoever he picks, he's got the top three he's going to pick. Any one of those would be an incredible justice, a fabulous justice. And the fact that there hasn't been a black woman on the Supreme Court before is horrible, horrendous. And we do need that balance, and we do need those people represented. And every single reason that Joe Biden has for putting a black woman on the Supreme Court, I agree with. But just don't say that. (laughs) Should Supreme Court justices be like the residents? Should we have no idea who they are? (laughs) Should they wear big eyeball heads? Should the Supreme Court justices be the residents? (laughs) I I, I might vote for that. (laughs) Also, you know, it would be nice to get someone, and I hope they do this, someone who was an Ivy League. You know? Yeah. Get someone who went to a really good law school and maybe didn't clerk in the Supreme Court. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Because we had some really great justices who weren't even lawyers, you know? Right. In the past. You can't even imagine a Supreme Court justice now that wasn't a lawyer. But we did in the past. (laughs) Also, we might want to uh, stop this uh, lifetime appointment thing. Yeah. Although you don't want them to worry about what their next job is. You just don't want them to. That's what Byers said. If you hid them, they could make choices that weren't based on politics, but on, on their ideology, on what they believed about the constitution or what they believed about law and not think well because you know what happens if somebody votes on the other side from their politics all of a sudden they're getting death threats it's i mean people who work at voting stations are getting death threats what must happen in the supreme court how many threats are they getting how about that people that work in voting stations getting death getting death threats what the fuck yeah yeah and it seems to be the side who's saying people are giving death threats to those people. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, something's wrong with voting. Let's threaten to kill that guy. <laughs> We're in an odd time, my friend. We're in an Very odd time. Odd. Very odd. But boy, I don't know what to do with my... And I'm not even, you know, I'm not a... Uh, I don't have an important voice in the political uh, landscape at all. I am really 
This podcast is listened to. I think I can say this safely, even <laughs> without getting the, uh, even without getting the the uh, the figures in from the this week. As of now, maybe not this episode, but as of now, fewer people listen to me than listen to Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Okay, could Just be a big week. That. And a bad week. <laughs> yeah, could, be a, could be a big week, but for right now, let's just say that. So I'm not talking about uh, a decision that's made career-wise. Uh, I'm talking about a decision that's made personally. I would feel really uncomfortable right now in my head, not even allowed, uh, ripping Joe Biden a new asshole. And that's wrong because we sure would. You know what I mean? Can you imagine? <laughs> we have historically. Yeah. I mean, look how I, I ripped apart in my mind and, and publicly too, but that doesn't matter. Ripped apart Obama. Right. That's the world I want to live in is the world where I attack good people. I mean, that's what we want out of politics is attacking good people. When we have people in that are actually not good, like Trump, we no longer have that luxury. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a tough thing, but we got another podcast to do. My dog is barking. You can hear that in the background. So I will now say that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha cha cha. You become naked. Yeah, boy, you know, um, it's a tough issue. It's just a tough, tough issue. These are weird, weird fucking times. We got a lot more to talk about. We didn't get this stuff. What's that good news is what? Uh, The good good news is Reddy's getting getting 15 hours a day of sleep. That's the good news. That's good. You know, we love you. Hey, Matt, you got anybody to thank? It's a new month, and I want to thank... The people who support us on Patreon, I want to thank Betsy Batter, Penis Massacre, all caps, so he means business. Little Mandar, Michael Fritz, Penn for being concerned about my language in 744. Anders Stenson, Rachel Forrester, Jobeth R. Bowers, Adam Stickney, Sex Guy Jimmy D, Henry James Allison, Nathan Julian, Percival, Manuel Vidal Perez de la Mesa V, Petty Officer Scoop, David K, David Peters, Shane Brevik, and nobody in particular. Thanks so much.